Welcome to Getting Fresh with Fruit Bowl, a look behind the scenes of the Fruit Bowl podcast. I'm your host and the creator of Fruit Bowl, Dave Quantic. On this episode of Getting Fresh, I will dish about some behind the scenes developments and talk a little bit about my plans for the rest of season three this year. But first, I want to introduce my special guest and co-host for this episode, a voice you may recognize, the voice of Fruit Bowl, Syra B. How's it going? Hey. What does the B stand for, by the way? The B stands for barbaric. Um, I love that. Yeah, I do a lot of performance where I am a non-human creature. Okay. So that's that's part of it. Um, and also, I am a very sadomasochistic top, so Ooh, it can be very okay. intense. <laughs> Yeah, barbaric is a good word that is sort of a stand-in for dom, maybe? Yeah, dom and, you know, the heathens, the pagans throughout history have been called that when really they were just really in love with the earth and ritual and each other, you know? Okay. So so that's part of it, too. Barbaric, yeah. That's cool. Um, Well, hi. Um, It's great to talk to you, and I'm excited to get to know you better, and I'm excited for our listeners to get to know you better, too. For starters, I'm going to ask you a question I ask all of my interviewees when I start to sit down and talk with them is, what are your preferred pronouns? So the pronouns that I use, and I tend to not say preferred, I just go with pronouns because everybody got them. Right. Uh, I use he, they, she, and Z. Uh, And most people, when I introduce myself, I tell them to mix it up if they can, pick one if they can't. I say that because I'm very gender fluid in how I present and how my kind of energy carries across to people. And I'm into it. I'm into however people read me and soaking that in, sinking into that and accepting that because I'm not trying to control my image that hard, you know? I love that. Fluidity. Um, So my next question is uh, another one that I ask all my interviewees at the beginning is, how would you define your queer identity? My queer identity is a mixture of my gender and my sexuality um, and in the way in which they are both very expansive. I like queer because bisexual was really, it felt small at the time that I was first trying to own it. And this is like in the early 2000s, right? Mm -hmm. It felt small in a way that wasn't right for me. And it also came with a lot of like combativeness from both heterosexuals and homosexuals um, at the time. Yeah. And I kind of had a love for people of all genders and I didn't know how to specify that. And honestly, a lot of people I knew who were pansexual were almost like intellectualizing sexuality in a way that I was not. Um, And so when I found queer, it it felt like it fit the way that my sexuality and romantic language is so polyamorous and expansive in who I can be attracted to. And then in terms of my gender, which I've come into more and more in the last three years, is that I am incredibly non-binary and it has to do with the way in which blackness is read in America. And it has to do with my complete lack of attachment to any kind of like high feminine, specifically feminine way of presenting. I saw a picture of myself when I was 10 and it was a picture from like the summer before and I remember being struck because I th- I thought I looked like a boy until I realized it was me 
Um, <laughs> wow. And it didn't feel bad. It just felt true. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has informed a lot of the ways that I have been treated by other people. And I'm glad I kind of had that realization as young as I did, because there would have been a lot more confusing moments as I've gotten older when, you know, people that say they're only attracted to men find something in me they find attractive. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they say that they meant cis men, not a Mm. man like me who is a little bit of everything. (laughs) Um, So yeah, my queer identity is gender fluid. It's non-binary, it's queer, pansexual. And just in case listeners are curious why I haven't yet interviewed you for the podcast in a in a formal interview, it's because we've only just met during the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> we've never <laughs> met in person. And and I am kind of sticking to my guns and and waiting for things to open back up to restart interviews because I really do feel like my my interviews need to be done in person um, with m- just me and the the person in the room together and so I really can't wait to have that longer conversation with you because uh, I'm really excited about all the all the things we're gonna be, get to talk about um, so that will be coming in the future um, once things open back up because you are here in Seattle I right? am yeah yeah we were introduced by a mutual friend. And I want to just say I, I love your voice and um, also your 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 person, you know. So <laughs> I'm, you. I'm glad that that someone like you is representing Fruit Bowl for each episode, and and I especially like it because it's not just me who I listen to when I'm editing, because <laughs> um, that can be a little bit tiresome. <laughs> um, and now you have your own podcast. I do. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Um, my podcast I do with my partner, with whom I also do Scum Trust, which is our non-binary porn project, uh, Alistair. Alistair and I host a podcast called Freaky Tales for You. Um, it is a, a place where I delve into my complete nerdy love of fan fiction. <laughs> and I like bring on uh, Alistair and various friends and artists I know to also... Uh, read and and dissect fan fiction. We just switched up our format a little bit, so we swap between a reading episode and a discussion episode. So, like, if you want to just listen to the sexy stories, please, that's totally welcome. Um, and then the discussion episodes, we kind of get into discourse, not just about the fandom or the story specifically, we do talk about those, but we also just kind of talk generally about kink and romance, sexuality and relationships, and the ways in which we use media to try and understand those things about ourselves and other people. And I think fan fiction is a great place to do that because it's people taking characters and worlds they really love and imbuing them with their own like sexual perspective, you know? And what would be a fictional character that you might enjoy uh, animating through your through your creativity? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh wow! Okay, who I I wrote original like smutty fiction when I was in high school for sure. I haven't written, <laughs> written any fan fiction, but we have talked about starting little writing competitions on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really. Weirdly, I want to write Hannibal fan fiction, which sounds so dark and weird, but it might be. I don't know. Yeah. We watched a lot of that show during quarantine. Speaking of mm. things watched during quarantine. Yeah. 
Um, and to make sense of the very, very violent world, we decided that it's all a world about death magic, a.k.a. necromancy. Um, mm. It's a secret magic show. And I want to write the fan fiction, like, defending that idea. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, like, the the Hannibal fanfic that I've thought about recently. Um, wow. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Harry Potter, you know? <laughs> I, was not, <laughs> I was not expecting Hannibal, but... <laughs> Why not? I mean, I would also write Harry Draco. It's a classic. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I used to uh, dabble in the comics world for a while. I thought I was going to be a a comic book writer and um, went to many a Comic-Con and really loved that community and their enthusiasm and their embrace of of fictional worlds and, and imagination and creativity. It's like a really cool community to to exist in. Have you been um, down I've, to San Diego? I have. I've been to Comic-Con twice. Yes, um, me too. Yeah. God, what, a, <laughs> what an experience. <laughs> it's wild. It is wild. Did God. you dress up? You know, no, but I loved like documenting people who, who did. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I was trying to market my own uh, comic book, so... I was more focused on the the selling aspect rather than the the enjoyment. Real, and I, I'd like to go back sometime and just not be so focused on the booth and the the product and the uh, merchandise and stuff. So, yeah, I I was always really amazed by all the creativity um, there and everyone's outfits and stuff. It was really cool. So, where can people find your podcast? You can find Freaky Tales for You, that's the number four and the letter U, on, I think, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. We're hosted off of Anchor FM, so you can also find us there. Awesome. Freaky Tales for You. Cool. Look it up, everyone. So I'm going to get a little bit fresh with you. Go for it. And ask you, how have you been satisfying your needs during quarantine? Your sexual needs. My sexual needs. Um, <laughs> so I am a size queer. I, I love a big toy. I've definitely okay. been size training in terms of like all these big toys we've acquired over the years. And I have or haven't used in different porn projects and movies I've done. Um, so I've been training up for a fist, to be completely honest. It's been oh, wow. my number one thing lately. Um, okay. Starting my like... With we have thankfully like a big plastic hand, um, plastic. <laughs> it's it's body safe. I swear. I wow. <laughs> only put body safe things in or put a condom on it. That's my tip for everyone right now. Yeah, no, that's a good tip. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's probably been been my biggest thing. I thankfully live with people I have sex with, um, so we have. I have been able to like be with others, mm-hmm. but I also have been really going in on my solo masturbation time. I've definitely like been uh focusing on self-pleasure and and getting off and trying to make that m- more interesting. I love that you're like in training too. <laughs> yes. Like that's that's a good idea too for quarantine like working yourself up to the size that you think maybe you could take on in the future but maybe you needed some time to sort of settle into it. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely a tip for anybody aspiring to take a fist and you can't or take a big toy and you can't. It's like slow and often. Mm-hmm. Slow mm-hmm. and often. Those are still muscles inside of your hole. You can sprain them. You can hurt them. Yeah. 
So like take care, use a lot of lube. Um, oh, I also bought my first like hentai DVD. <laughs> oh, what is that? Um, like animated porn. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. What what title? Maybe maybe it's, listeners. It's like know. a Pokemon ripoff. I don't remember the full title, but the whole <laughs> it, it's like a Pokemon ripoff where people are like capturing animals and like trying to train them, and then they fuck about like how they're training them. I don't know. It's not got a plot, but it's very funny to watch when I want to masturbate. wow now that's interesting you'd say that because i have started to read erotic fiction again um which is something i used to do as a young person in the days before online porn and our phones um i used to read erotic fiction i would buy the books and you know dog ear the the stories that really did it for me you know and so i've actually been exploring reddit uh first person experience porn. That's awesome. Yeah, that's been really fun. At first I was like really into it. And then I started to think about whether or not the stories were real. And I started to like not enjoy them as much because I started to convince myself that they were all sort of fabrications. But then lately, like the last few times I've gotten back, I've, I've realized that I'm now able to kind of let go of that need for knowing whether or not they're real or not. And I'm just, I'm sort of embracing good writing, good erotic writing. Yeah. And there's a few that I've read lately that are like, I could read them in books. What's your favorite one you've read? Oh, you know, one that's very popular recently, just in the last few weeks, the scenarios are ones of people who were in Texas and who (laughs) were without power and without heat. Say what you will about the tragedy of that and, and of course, you know, the failure of, of government. But it does create some good opportunities for erotic fiction because one I read was this guy whose straight, quote unquote, roommate um, ended up wanting to sleep together because they were freezing cold because they didn't have heat. And it was like it was like a 10 part series and each entry was like pages and pages long. I mean, this person went into such detail um, and it was really well written and very convincing. And who knows, maybe it really did happen, but I really enjoyed the the story. Um, so yeah, that's an, an example of one. Even if it didn't happen, it was at least that one person's fantasy, right? Like they're at least sharing their fantasy of what did happen. And I mean, say what you will about the pandemic in general, but there's a lot of potential erotic context in, in being shut in with people in a pod and, and not being able to explore like we usually do that, that has great story potential. So that's that's been pretty popular. There's a whole section, a whole trope within fan fiction of like they had to share a bed. Right. <laughs> There's a, a whole lane of stories that are just about like for some reason these two characters must share a bed and they will fuck about it. <laughs> the other fun uh, for me development this quarantine is that early on in the pandemic a friend of mine who is a master masturbator um, told me about <laughs> Albaline. Do you know what Albaline is? No, tell me more. Um, Albaline is a makeup remover that you can buy at any drugstore, but it also is an amazing uh, lubricant for, for masturbation. Wow. Um, 
the thing is, it's not something that's good to put inside your body. So right. you may not like it's good for maybe partners or whatever. So I wouldn't like use it on a dildo, you know, if it's going inside you. So just keep that in mind. But it is great for like long masturbation sessions because um, for some reason, this makeup remover is it's safe for your genitals on the outside and it doesn't really go sticky. Like, okay. um, in fact, it's really hard to like switch hands when I'm jerking off and looking at my phone and because <laughs> like it'll like just slip out of my hands. So I have to have like one hand designated for jerking off. Dry hand, wet hand. Yeah. So <laughs> Albaline, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I, I enjoy using it. So. I mean, that makes sense. Coconut oil is good for external masturbation. It's great for that. Mm-hmm. And it's also good for yeah. taking off makeup. So that makes sense. Like a, a sturdy yeah, maybe, oil. Maybe this albaline is, maybe it's got coconut oil. Maybe it's a derivative of that. So Yeah. Albaline. I'm looking into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, thanks for, for sharing. Is there anything else you want to mention? Or You said I, a lot. I did. I guess I'm just going to plug myself a little bit and say, like, if you need yeah. new queer porn, look up Scum Trust Productions on Pink Label TV. That's shit I'm okay. in and shit I make. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about Pink TV, because I've heard this before, but I don't really know what it is. Yeah. Pink Label TV is a streaming platform made by the folks that started Crashpad. So that's Shine Louise Houston and Jizzly. Um, and it's just like a really good web portal for all kinds of queer porn. They've got like historical stuff, vintage stuff on there. They've got my studio and Alistair's studio and lots of studios like ours that are just run by like one or a small group of queer people that are currently trying to just make their own erotic content. Oh, that's amazing. And without the fuckery of YouTube and all those mainstream platforms that are so hostile towards queer content. Yes. And unlike Pornhub, we get like a decent percentage when people stream our work. So that's nice, too. <laughs> now, that that reminded me to mention my recent erotic filmmaking, which is that I was in Hump this year. Hell yeah. Um, do you ever watch Hump? Yeah, we were in it a couple years back. Oh, cool. Did you see this year's program online? No, I missed it. Okay. You know, they'll probably do some encore uh, screenings later this year, but it's the first year they've done something online, you know, because it's usually in the theater and they're very strict about it being a, a theatrical experience. So I made a short that was based off of a podcast episode and I worked with an illustrator who made some drawings that sort of illustrate the descriptions of, of a hookup that he had and, cool. and also his memories of um, cruising in New York City. And the film's title is Stephen and James' Best Girlfriends. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm really proud of it getting in. This is the second time I've been in Hump, so um, it's been really fun uh, doing that. We've had a couple of uh, filmmaker Q&As on the, on the screenings, so that's been fun, too, being able to reach new fans that way so yeah i'm gonna go check it out i definitely want to see that it's a good slate this year there's some really outstanding films i think it's one of the best hump programs i've ever seen um a lot of really cool diversity too just every kind of sexuality and and kink and stuff so that's awesome it's, it's been fun being a part of that this year Now you're going to ask me a few questions about Fruit Bowl and what's been happening 
in the behind the scenes. Yeah. And full disclosure, I wrote these questions for you. (laughs) (laughs) I am reading these questions, but I do mean them. Um, So why did you choose to change the format for the episodes? You've told me a little bit about that when you brought me on, but I'd love to hear more. Yeah. People who have listened to previous uh, seasons of Fruit Bowl will notice that the format has changed pretty considerably this this season. Um, The main reason is that I needed to kind of streamline the post-production and editing process. Um, When it all came down to it, my writing, recording, and editing the different intros and outros for each episode was just becoming too labor-intensive. And I'll admit I'm a perfectionist, and I don't particularly like the sound of my voice or my, my hosting persona. Like, I think I'm okay at it. But but honestly, like, that was never the reason why I started Fruit Bowl or the podcast. Um, the focus was always on the interviewees and their stories. So when I came to starting in on season three, I, I really took a hard look at what it is that I want most to do, which is that this year, what I want most to do with season three is to produce all of the remaining interviews that I have in my archive, which are plentiful. Like I have at least 30 more interviews to create in two episodes. Like as of right now, okay. um, I'm, I'm, also, I'm almost exactly halfway through all of my interviews. And so not writing, recording, and editing the intros and outros for each episode saves me a lot of time. And it allows me to just keep on moving forward and keep on producing new uh, episodes and and releasing more interviews. Because there's some people who interviewed for me like two years ago, you know? Yeah. And I just feel bad that I haven't yet released their stories because everyone's story is, is worth sharing. Like I literally have not interviewed anyone who's story isn't interesting and worth turning into a podcast episode. So yeah. And also, you know, I need something to do during quarantine. And to be honest, like working on this project has really helped me survive this last year. So I just need to finish as many as I can before things start to open up again. And I want to start to record new episodes, you know, like I don't want there to be um, a backlog of interviews that I've already, you know, recorded before I start recording new ones. That's, that's the goal. So it's a good way to, to like incentivize and push me to just keep on producing and, and using your introductions has really helped with that. Hell yeah. I feel that we're getting all our stuff on pink label, which is why I plugged that. Have you been really productive with, with creating new content? Less so that and more like, yeah, trying to tackle our backlog of of films Mm -hmm. and shorts. I think between 2017 and 2019, we shot at least a dozen different erotic and pornographic shorts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, there's still a bunch that we haven't gotten up online anywhere that we've only shown them at like our screening events and no one else has seen them yet. So I feel you. Yeah, I'm glad that that you've had some time to tackle. I mean, editing takes forever, right? Yes. It's like, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> so and, tedious. And, yeah. And and like I said, I'm I'm kind of a perfectionist. You know, I, I don't just like slap up the raw interviews as I recorded them 
I do cut out the ums and the pauses and I rearrange things so that, you know, there's a, a logical flow to the the interview. I work really hard. I work really hard on that. So yeah. it just takes time. So. So why are there so many men in comparison to women interviewees thus far? Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to just talk a little bit about because I think that it, it might seem a little unbalanced this season. Um, the truth is that I just, I have more men in my archive than I do women. And the big plan last year before the shutdown was to uh, really catch up with my femme voices. Um, I really should say non-cis men voices. Um, cause that's what I mean. I was going to produce and record and create episodes at the same time. So that didn't happen. And now I have this whole backlog of, of cis men. Um, and I'm a little disappointed in myself that I, that I don't have more diversity, but I don't ever say no to people. And the truth is that there's more people who are cis, cis men who say yes to me than anyone else. So at a certain point, I just have to sort of embrace that that truth and honor those people who have given me their time and trusted me with their stories and go ahead and produce the the podcast in the way that I need to do it in order to work through the backlog. I mean, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you have a lot of like cis gay men in your circles, right? So it's like when you put a call out, that's who will hit you up. And I totally get that like as a curator of something Sometimes you have to put in the like a little bit of extra to try and figure out who you're not representing and how to get them in the room. And if that was your yes. plan and then, you know, 2020 happened, which meant no one could really try and gather. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if you're going to sit down and talk to somebody about your intimate sex life, you need to have somebody who you know or can trust or who you think can identify with your story and I, yeah, I just have to work a little bit harder to get people that I don't know to, to trust me, you know, and, and I really think that, that I will start to get more people interested, the more episodes I produce, regardless of what the person's identity is, just because there's some amazing stories that are going to come up this season. And there's some amazing ones that have already been released. These first six episodes I'm, I'm super proud of. So yeah, I'm just excited to get more content out there because I feel like regardless of who the person is or how they identify, as long as people start to hear the raw honesty that's contained in each of them, in a way, the person's genitalia and their identity doesn't really matter. And what really matters is the truth and the honesty. I feel like people respond to that more than anything else. So so I'm just going to push through. And and when things do start to open up, I'm going to start to really hit the ground running and start to try to collect way more diverse backgrounds for, for my interviewees. So, you know, now's a good time to just say that to my listeners, you know, I would love to hear from people who come from all different backgrounds who, who might be interested in, in interviewing. And if you are, give me a call, even if you're a cis male, like, (laughs) like I don't really, I've never said no to anybody. I feel like if people want to do it, they should do it. Yeah. So, I mean, queer reality is endlessly complex. It is. That's true. If there's anything I've learned by this project, it's like, even if you think you're boring, just because you're queer and you 
are outside of the heteronormative sexual coming of age story that we've heard millions and millions of times. So many times. So many times. <laughs> I mean, we deserve to have our stories told and listened to and honored. And I feel like making a podcast dedicated to one person's story is a way to do that. And there's like a built-in arc to like a story arc to queer stories, you know, because if you're somebody who's ready to tell somebody else that and record it and have it be broadcast the world, you've probably gone through all of the necessary self-reflection and honesty and wanting to just throw caution to the wind and just be who you are, you know, so. The way that queers interact when we're first interested in each other romantically, sexually, even friendship wise is we want to talk about what has changed you traumatically. Like, we want to yeah. know what has formed one another, like, what decisions you've made to, like, be who you are at this moment. Mm -hmm. Because to be a non-heterosexual person meant that at some point you had to make a decision to yeah. move against what society tells you is, quote-unquote, normal. Mm -hmm. And so there's always some interesting points in a queer person's life where they had to find that, decide they wanted to be who they really want to be. And that's fascinating to me. And that's why I've yeah. enjoyed all the episodes I've heard. And I'm excited to hear the stories you're telling me are coming up. Yeah, I mean, in film school, we called it conflict. You know, like, you you can't really tell an interesting story without some kind of conflict. And and every queer person has had conflict in their life. And, and it's usually been internal. And to ask people to externalize it and to describe it is so fascinating. I, I just love it. I could literally do this for the rest of my life, and I probably will. <laughs> Which I should also just mention, too, like another reason why I haven't been as productive in terms of the the production of the different episodes and, and the frequency of them is that I, I actually got a full-time job a year ago. Congrats. Around this. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and um, it's a pretty intense job. It requires me to edit um, all day. So I'm a professional editor and hey. um, I love it and I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And they also have been very appreciative of, of my work. But I guess what I'm saying is that like I'm no longer freelance and I'm doing editing every day. So to to edit all day for at work and then to do my podcast editing, I really have to kind of space it out over the week and then usually dedicate at least one weekend day entirely to editing in order to keep on producing the episode. So that's one reason why it's I'm not uh, being as fast with my production as I'd like to be. So I am getting faster at editing. It's because of your your intros and not having to really do too much more post-production recording and editing of of additional content that I'm able to to keep on moving forward. Yeah. You know, so I do just want to say thanks again for for lending your voice as the the MC so to speak <laughs> cuz that's that's really helped me hone in on the real purpose of doing this is to get the stories out there. So I'm really excited about the direction of the season and you know, I I do want to do things like this more in the future where it's just me having conversations with people. I think listeners like that too. So but um yeah, the real focus this season is on the interviews. Absolutely. How can people support Fruitball? You know, there is the Patreon account. You know, we mentioned it each episode at the end of each episode. And and certainly I would love people to support that. But honestly, I feel like word of mouth is really going to be how this, this project gains any kind of momentum. Because 
to be quite honest, like I've completely given up on Facebook. <laughs> like I deactivated it middle of last year. Good for you. Um, I just like don't really give a shit about their social engineering and their hypocrisy when it comes to queer content versus asshole conservatives who want to burn the country down. It's like, I'm just so over them. So, you know, I'm still on Instagram and stuff, but, and Twitter, but, but really it's, it's all about people talking about it and, and, and recommending it to each other. So I'm hoping that that, that starts to happen more. Um, yeah. But yeah, share it, share it with people. And, you know, if you want to help support it financially, that'd be awesome. You know, one thing I'm starting to do with Patreon is um, offer more bonus content that's exclusive to the platform. So I'm starting to do that with, with each interview I edit. I'll save a little thing, a little fun uh, segment from each interview that's only for patrons. So yeah, starting to do that more. So you can find all those links at fruitbowlpodcast.com. Well, thank you, Syrah, for, for doing this and letting us get to know you better. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me. I will put links in the show notes for this episode and, and people can look there for all of your links to your awesome content and your podcast and stuff. So yeah, if you want to follow what I'm up to, very.freaky on Instagram. I post semi-sporadically, but there is a big backlog of images and flyers from things I've organized and all that. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Getting Fresh. And that's it for Getting Fresh with Root Ball. Thanks a lot.